have a Bible, may I encourage you to join me in Deuteronomy chapter number three. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter number three. So if this is your, if your first time with us, or maybe the first time in a long time, we're, uh, we're on a journey through the book of Deuteronomy, which is a series of three speeches uh, given by Moses right before the children of Israel enter the promised land. And today we're going to get to the close of that first of three speeches as we finish out chapter number three. But I'd like to start with a question uh, for you. Have you ever experienced an unanswered prayer. That's rough. You know, because unanswered prayers, boy, they, they raise a whole lot of questions in our lives. Like, is God even listening to me? Does God care? I mean, he's powerful enough to do anything, right? Why doesn't he do this? And if you've, you've had those questions, you're, I just want to encourage you, you're not alone. And so as we walk through this third chapter of Deuteronomy today, I, I do hope that we look at one angle on how we can approach what unanswered prayer might mean in our lives. So we're going to get started. Last week, we, we got through the first 11 verses of Deuteronomy chapter number three, and we discussed, you know, why Yahweh commanded Israel to, to enter into this land filled with giants and, and leave no one alive. And we saw that the promised land was more than just the Israelites having a place to live. It was about Yahweh finding a sacred space to inhabit. And because those giants represented the offspring of fallen angels and rebellion, spiritual rebellion, he was eliminating them completely. And, and in our passage last week, you may or may not remember, but we read how Israel conquered this entire kingdom of this, this king named Og who, lived, who, who slept in this humongous bed, uh, just proving you know, the, the giantness of him. And, and as they conquered his kingdom, there were 60 different cities that, that they took over and took possession of. And, and verses, uh, verses 12, I think it is, verses 12 through 17, Moses starts dividing that land. And we're not going to read it. He's just dividing the land that they had just conquered. But it leads us to this question. Now, wait a second. Why are you dividing this land? Because this isn't the promised land. You're supposed to cross the Jordan River to get into the promised land. What's, what's going on here? And if we were to back up a little bit in the book of Numbers, what we would find is as these 60 cities were conquered, there was a group of Israelites, they were herdsmen, who looked at the land and said, hey, we would love to actually stay here. And they went to Moses and said, can we just stay here instead of going across the Jordan and into the promised land? And when they initially approached Moses, he was very upset because he thought that what was happening was a second time Israel was going to refuse to go into the promised land. And he got upset and he said, there's only one way I will let you in. I'll let you stay here. That's if you leave your women, your children, and your livestock. But you yourselves, you men of war, you go over the Jordan with all your brothers and sisters and you help them find their land. You want this land? But you're going to need to help your brothers and sisters find their land. And so that's the context of what we're about to read in verse 18 of Deuteronomy chapter number 3. So Deuteronomy 3, and we're going to pick it up in verse 18. And this is Moses speaking. I commanded you at that time, Yahweh your God has given you this land to take possession of it. 
But all your able-bodied men armed for battle must cross over ahead of the other Israelites. However, your wives, your children, and your livestock, I know you have much livestock, may stay in the towns I have given you until Yahweh gives rest. Those words are going to be crucial. Until Yahweh gives rest to your fellow Israelites as he has to you. And they too have taken over the land that Yahweh, your God, is giving them across the Jordan. After that, each of you may go back to the possession I have given you. Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're reading in the Bible, I want you to look back at those couple of verses. There's just three verses there. And in those three verses, five times you find a form of the word give. Yahweh's given you this land. Moses says, I've given you this land. Yahweh gives you rest. Yahweh's given you this land. I have given you this land. Now, when Moses says, I've given you this land, it's more of Moses assigning them the land. But he's, he's really keying in on this fact that Yahweh is giving this land. It's from him, and his purpose is rest. In fact, if you, if you look at the beginning of verse 18, Moses begins by saying, Yahweh, your God, has given you this land. And near the end of verse 20, he repeats that, Yahweh, your God, is giving you the land across, the land that Yahweh, your God, is giving you. Now, now we would say, like, what does Moses forget what he's writing? But in, in the Hebrew language, when you would repeat a phrase at the beginning, at the end, that's an emphasis. For us, we might say, man, I really, 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 really love you. But if you were writing it in Hebrew, you would say, I love you, tell all the reasons why, and then say, I love you. It was, it was a way of emphasis. And so Moses is emphasizing Yahweh, your God, has given you this land. Why, why do you think that's important for Moses to emphasize to these people? Because although Yahweh had given them this land, there was a purpose for the land. He wasn't just giving them the land and say, do what you want with it. I'm giving you this land and I have a purpose for this gift, and it matters to me. Because it would be in that land where Israel, God's people, would become a witness to all the nations around them who worshiped all kinds of other gods. And Israel would walk in with this brand new God that most of the world has never heard of before, and his name is Yahweh. And Yahweh said, I want you to go into this land, and in this land I will set up my dwelling, and you will serve me, and your land, your people, your life is going to be such a testament to others that they're going to see their gods are not the gods they need to be worshiping. They need to be worshiping Yahweh. That's the whole purpose of giving them this land. You know, as believers today, we read a verse like James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. May I ask you, and I really mean this, would you raise your hand if you believe that every good thing that you have, been, that you have has been given to you by God? Would you raise your hand if you believe that? Okay. I'm just, just questioning. Is there anybody who doesn't, wouldn't agree with that? 
Okay. Why do we need to be reminded of a truth like this? That all the good things in our lives come to us by the hand of God? Because I don't know about you, but for me, I find it very easy to take the blessings of God and just go do my own thing with it without even worrying or asking, why did you give this to me? But I think if we take those couple of verses that we just read and we look back with it, I think we could see some clear truths that are certainly relevant to Israel because that's who Moses was referring to. But I think it could be relevant to us today about what the blessings of God. Like I think the blessings of God should lead us to rejoice in the God of the blessings. Because Moses said twice, Yahweh, your God. It's a personal relationship here. He's given you this land. Now, now I, hey, I'm going to be honest here. I think most of you in here are, are just awesome at being grateful for what God has given you. I, I don't know anybody in here who just, you know, is a complainer. I think that most of you in here would, would really rejoice in the blessings that God has given us. But, but my question would be, how often do we rejoice in the God who gives us those blessings? I, I get to walk through the gospel primer uh, every day with a few men. And, and this, this past week, uh, one of the paragraphs in the gospel primer was called um, Chosen for Prayer. And while I was reading it and then reflecting on it, I thought, you know, when I don't pray, much of my life looks no different than an unbeliever. You know, an unbeliever could be a good husband and father. An unbeliever can be a productive employee. An unbeliever can be a citizen who keeps the law of the land. And if that's what I do, and then lay my head on a pillow at night, what separated me from someone who doesn't even believe Jesus in Jesus? I, got, I, just, I just got to thinking like, Man, when it comes to Thanksgiving, you know, we, and I know we're, we're in February or March and not even thinking about Thanksgiving, but, but at times, you know, how often around Thanksgiving do we say, what are you most thankful for? And what do we say? Well, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for the, the people God gives me. I'm thankful for my, my, the clothes that I wear, the food that we eat. Like, can I just tell you, an unbeliever can say all those same things. What an unbeliever cannot say is, I'm thankful for a God who sent his son to lay his life down so that I could have eternal life. That's what it can't say. An unbeliever cannot say, I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of sins that I have been given through the person of Jesus Christ. An unbeliever can't say that. And so not only should we, and we very much should be thankful for the blessings of God in our life, but we as believers, we must be conscious and purposeful to rejoice not just in his blessings, but in him. So rejoice, spend time in prayer, read his word, make disciples, share with other believers. That's what sets us apart. The blessings of God should also lead us, I believe, to prioritize the kingdom of God. As Moses says, until the Lord gives rest to your fellow Israelites as he has to you, and they too have taken over the land Yahweh your God is giving them across 
the Jordan. Moses was, was making it clear to these herdsmen, you're a part of God's people. You don't get your rest until we all get our rest. You know, it's, I'm, I think, uh, year eight of being a, a senior pastor. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I'm just going to be transparent here. When I first started as a pastor, I was so afraid to talk about money in the church. Because I felt like if I talk about money, the people are going to think I'm after their money. You know what I found? You know why we don't like talking about money in the church? It has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with our hearts. Money is not a financial topic. It's a heart topic. Because Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is is going to be also. And the reason people in a church don't like to hear uh, a pastor just talking about money, listen, I'm not not talking about money. I'm talking about your heart. And the easiest way to see your heart is often by opening up your money and what you do with it. Because again, where your money is, that's where your heart's going to be. And most of us think, I made this money, it's my money, no one's going to tell me what to do with my money. And Do you remember just raising your hand just a little bit ago and saying, everything that I have is, is from the hand of the Lord? So if it's from the hand of the Lord, who, who's, whose is it? I, I really want to encourage you. Do you know those offering boxes in the hallway are not, they're not there to make you feel guilty? They're not. Many people, and I see it, they, they see those offering boxes, they feel the tinge of guilt like, ah, and then they just keep walking. That's not why they exist. But I also want to correct something. Those, those offering boxes are not slot machines. You don't put something in and expect to get something out. So many Christians live in this this mindset of, well, if I give my money, then God's going to bless me. Okay, that is true if we lived in the Old Testament in the promised land. Because that's when Yahweh said, if you obey me, I will bless you. And the whole purpose was because they were surrounded by these people who worshipped other gods. And what Israel was supposed to do was to be so obedient to Yahweh and be so overwhelmed with the blessings because of that obedience that people are like, we want a piece of that. right? But Jesus flips the script Jesus comes as the king and he lays down his life and by laying down his life, he proves he is the one worthy of all praise and of all honor and of all glory. If a king is willing to do this, he deserves our honor and our praise. And then Jesus, he front loads us with blessings. As Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with most, no, with a, with a whole lot, no, with every spiritual blessing, right? So when we come to Jesus in faith, like we receive all the blessings there are to receive. And now we don't Give to get, we give 
because we got. We don't, we don't give to get blessings. We give because we've already received the blessings. Right? Those, those offering boxes are out there to remind us all, man, God has given us a bounty of blessings and he invites me. He gives me the incredible opportunity to partner with him in building his kingdom through the blessings he's given to me. Wow. Yeah. I, God has invaded our little world. Our little world. Your little world, my little world, God has invaded my little world with his gifts. And my response is to bring my gifts to impact his big world. Right? That's what we did with the Beals. Like we gave, we gave all of our gifts so that the kingdom could go across the world. It's so cool. I think the blessings of God also should lead us to live with the heart of God. And we, Moses said this, all your able-bodied men armed for battle must cross over ahead of the Israelites until Yahweh gives rest to your fellow Israelites as he has to you. Like Moses was saying, you don't get to settle into your homes until everyone gets to settle into their homes. And I'm like, oh, this is Jesus. Like this, this points us to Jesus, right? Jesus had a place. He had a home. That place was right next to the Father, but he left that home in order to give us a home right next to the Father. Like, how, how cool is Jesus? But, but then he calls us to live with that same heart, which says, I don't take my blessings and fill my pockets and say, I'm good. No, we... We receive these blessings and then we, we say, who else needs to be blessed? Who else is fighting for the blessings of God to be revealed in your lives? Because our life is not about growing comfortable. It's not about us coming to church so we feel good in, on the inside. We should be coming to church and reaching out to those on the outside, giving them a place. I, I, was, I was challenged this week, Devin, you and I were standing in the hallway, and, and you, you looked at me, and you made this statement. The way you're leading the church, Brian, this church is either going to grow or it's going to shrink. And I was like, well, that's not really encouraging. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to respond to that. You know, like, uh, we're going to grow or we're going to shrink. Uh, he said, it's because you're, you're forcing us to get in the game. You're not letting us come and just sit. You're making us pray with other people. Telling us, hey, there's, there's people who have needs. Let's get involved in the community. And he said, you know what? Some people are not going to want to get engaged like that. So they're going to look for somewhere else where they could sit on the sideline. He said, but there's going to be some who want to get engaged. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that means to this church, but like, yeah, we're going to end our church today. I'm just warning you now to really, really make you feel bad for the next 20 minutes or 10 minutes or however long it takes to get through this. We're going to end by praying with others today. Oh, man. Why does he do that to us? Yes. 
You know why? Because you might be in a great place today, but not everyone is. You know what our mission in, in leaving church every week should be? I have, I have right here, I know who I'm going to be praying for this week because I talk to them. I know who needs encouragement this week, and I know how I'm going to encourage them. Or I'm going to ask the Spirit of God, how do you want me to encourage them this week? I know who needs some, they need physical help this week, and I know that because I talked to someone other than the one I walked in with. We cannot, church, we cannot be content to just simply say, I came to church Now I get to go home. No, we came to church, and this is a family, and we find out the needs of one another, and we leave with those needs, and we work towards helping those needs be met through the person of Jesus all week long. And then the last thing I'll say about this is I think the blessings of God should lead us to enjoy the bounty of God. Moses doesn't expect them to fight for the rest of their lives. Fight when they find rest. Go back to your rest. Now, very few people in this room need to hear this, but some of you do. The Lord wants you to enjoy the blessings he's given you, right? If you're one of the people who needs to hear this, really, can I encourage you, stop being a tightwad. Take your family on vacation. Enjoy the blessings God has given you. You're only going to have those kids at home for so long, so enjoy the time together. Most of us don't need to hear that. Most of us need to be reminded that this comes last, not first. Most of us We go enjoy the bountiful blessings of God, and if there's anything left over, then we give it back to someone else. But Moses was making this very clear to the people. Go, you have a home, but you go and you fight until there's rest for everyone, and then you come back and get your rest. Please don't get me wrong. I I really want you to enjoy the blessings of God. But let me encourage you not to be the type of Christian who just gives God the leftovers. Right? So we just finished the month of February. So we're starting a brand new month of March. Look back across February. Did God get the leftovers of your time, of your money, and of your resources? Did God just get what was left over? Or, or was it, Lord, I, I want to I step into the areas that people need my help. I want to invest my lives in other people. Hey, listen, if we're not making the kingdom of God a priority, how do we expect our children to make the kingdom of God a priority? I'm way behind, so I got to, like, quickly try to finish this then. Stink. In verse 23, I'm going to skip to verse 23, guys, so I just, I'm skipping verses 21 and 22, and I'm going to read you verse 23 and, and just kind of go quickly here. Moses says, at that time I pleaded with Yahweh, 
Sovereign Yahweh, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. But because of, you got to kind of bring that to a close. Let me, um, just lost my place. Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. Let me pause right here. So we read it in detail in Numbers chapter 20. But Moses, the people came to him because they wanted They wanted water. He responded in a way that dishonored Yahweh. And Yahweh said, you're not going into the promised land. And Moses is recounting this. And he said, man, when that happened, I went back and I'm like, hey, would you please reconsider? He prays, would you please let me in? So pick it up in verse 26. But because of you, Yahweh was angry with me and would not listen to me. Those words are important. Would not listen to me. That is enough, Yahweh said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah. Look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes since you are not going to cross this Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. I'm going to try to summarize, but this is a sad portion of scripture. The, the, the man who for 40 years has led the people of God through their ups and downs. Now he's 120. He is a hero of the faith. If you read Hebrews 11 in the New Testament, Moses is mentioned over and over and over and over. He's a hero of the faith. And this hero of the faith goes to Yahweh and says, will you do this for me? And we read Yahweh wouldn't listen to him. He got angry with him, and he said, stop talking to me about it. And honestly, I read that, I'm like, man, if this giant of the faith, if that's the way Yahweh reacts to his prayers, how's he going to react to me? I'm a little pipsqueak. A few weeks ago, I received a text message, and this is, this is pretty much like I took a few words out just so no one would know who it is, and you, most of you wouldn't know, but the, the, the question was, does my life, my sin, or anything about me affect my prayers and whether God hears them? You know, you know what the heart of this question was? I'm praying and God's not answering. Why? So I, I sent back some, some uh, we, we talked a little bit, and I sent back and said, you know, all through the Old Testament and New Testament, we looked to some scriptures where it's very clear that God still hears and sees sinners. I mean, we see it from the get-go in the, in, in the Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve sin, God shows up, and he has a conversation with them. But this question is like, does, does God, like, why then? Because when, God, when we have unanswered prayers, there's one of two things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Skipped, uh, skipped something. There's one of two things that, 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 uh, that come up. Either, either God can't hear my prayers or God can hear my prayers and he won't do anything about it. Which of those would you prefer? That you pray to a God who can't hear you or you pray to a God who hears you and says no. So we, we were talking a little bit about it, and, and, I, and I finally took her to, to 1 John chapter number 1, and, and we, we looked at how Scripture says that God is light, 
And if we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another. But if we walk in the darkness and say we have fellowship, we are liars. As I was trying to show her, like, sin doesn't affect a conversation with God. He can hear me, but sin does affect my closeness with God and and fellowship. And, And what that means then is, like, if I'm not in fellowship with God, I'm not living in a way to please God. If I'm not living in a way to please God, I'm living in a way to please myself. If I'm living in a way to please myself, what kind of prayers do you think I'm going to be offering? Well, prayer's about me. My happiness, my will, and my kingdom. And then the question is, what does a holy and a good God do with those me-centered prayers? Does he answer them and leave you in that same condition and just asking and demanding more from him? Or does this good God refuse to answer those me-centered prayers and leave us thinking, you don't even care about me? And so it's like, oh, I'm praying, but I'm not getting an answer from God. And if that's you, let me encourage you. So first of all, ask, are there any unconfessed sins in your life that would prevent your fellowship from God? And if you would say, man, to my knowledge, there's not. I would ask you then, hey, well, look, are you in a good relationship? Is your heart wanting the things God wants? Or are they wanting the things you want? You know, we got to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And if you would say, man, Brian, I I feel like I have no unconfessed sin. I feel like I really want what God wants. And he's still not answering my prayers. Then here's my encouragement. We look at who God is. And we're reminded that he is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace. He is a God who has given his son to us so that we could have relationship with him. And he is a God that through time has proven himself to be a God that we can trust and depend upon, which then means an unanswered prayer may simply be God refusing to give you what is second best. But we don't know what's second best because we can't see what he sees. So an unanswered prayer might be that God is acting on what he knows and we don't. I look, at, I look at my life and do I have unconfessed sin? I look at my prayers. Are they prayers that honor God? And if I would say, yes, they are, and I still don't get that unanswered prayer, then I have to say, God, I don't understand, but I trust your character. So let me close by just making a point about Moses's quote-unquote unanswered prayer. I would tell you one of the reasons that I would believe this prayer was not answered is because God was making a theological statement to to the world. what, What does that even mean? We won't see it for a long time, but in the Gospel of John, the author John writes 
The law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, which means Moses in the Bible is always a representative of the law. The promised land, remember, God was giving rest. God's rest is never found through the law. The law never leads us into God's rest. The law leads us to holiness, but it is a perpetual work. It never ends. You can never stop. There's no rest in that. And so if the law doesn't offer rest, where do we get rest? I'm so glad you asked. Because Jesus said, hey, if you're weary and heavy laden, just come to me. I will give you rest. Moses, I really think God was making a theological statement here. Moses representing the law could not lead the people of God into the place of God's rest. Do you know who did? His name was Joshua. In Hebrew, Yeshua. Yeshua means Yahweh saves. In the Greek, Joshua or Yeshua is pronounced Jesus. <laughs> In the New Testament, Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, we read Jesus. So when Joshua led the people of God into God's temporary rest, it was just pointing us to the greater Joshua, the greater Yeshua, the greater Jesus who would lead God's people not into a physical rest, but into a, an eternal spiritual rest. Moses and the law can't get you there. Joshua can't. But God never gives his people second best, right? Which is why we read in Matthew chapter 17, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus' glory is revealed. He brings three disciples. There's two Old Testament figures that meet him there. One of them is Elijah, and the other's name is... Help me out here. Elijah and Moses. The Mount of Transfiguration was located in the promised land. Moses wanted to go into the promised land, and Yahweh said no. But Jesus says, I can make a way. And Moses stands on the Mount of Transfiguration in the promised land, physically in the promised land, and his eyes are no longer worried about that promised land, but the promised land that Jesus gives his people, the place of eternal rest next to the Father. Like I'm just like, this, our God never gives second best. He doesn't give us what we want when we want it. He doesn't give us what we want because sometimes we can't see what he's doing, but he always hears He's always aware and he's always working to give you ultimately what will be the best thing. Even though there are plenty of times where we'd say that doesn't look good. And I agree. 
but he is good. And that's where we have to find our rest. So in just a moment, I'm just going to ask you to well, I'm just going to ask you to, to bow your head in, in just, just a moment, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to reflect over a couple things in your life together with me. And then, and then when we're done, we're not going to have a closing song. And then when we're done, I'm going to ask you to just maybe a group of you that are kind of together, close, maybe, whether it's a row or whether it's people around you, no number, high or low, but just a group of you to get together and just say, does anyone in this group have something that the rest of us can pray for this week? How can we bear your burdens? How can we carry your, the weight that you have so that we together can find the rest that Jesus offers? And that, that's how I just want to close today. We're going to reflect on our own hearts and then we're going to gather together in a group and we're just going to pray. And when your group's done praying, you're welcome to stay, you're welcome to go. But it'd be really, really cool for you to find out how can we step into the lives of other people.